You're listening to From Heaven and Hope, a weekly podcast where Nicole Frazier brings you conversations from those who have been affected by grief. Whether a parent, child, friend, counselor, pastor, or philanthropist, everyone moves through and conquers grief in their own way. We know that what you're facing is a long road, but no matter how dark that road is, there will always be light. There will always be purpose. From where they are in heaven to the hope you need to move forward, we want to help you on that journey. Here is today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Heaven and Hope. I am so thrilled to to share today's interview with you. Today, I'm chatting with Tara Storch, who is a wife and mom to three, Taylor, Ryan, and Peyton. She opens up about her journey finding hope and purpose after the loss of her oldest daughter, Taylor. She speaks across the nation and shares her powerful Outlive Yourself message with us today. And I can't wait for you to hear more about her story. So here she is, Tara Storch. Hi, Tara. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for coming. I'm so thrilled to have you here. I can't even... um, This You were one of the guests that I wanted to have from the beginning. Um, I read your book. I read Taylor's Gift well before it had any kind of personal impact on my life. Um, I had no idea that I would be kind of journeying that same road uh, in, in, a, in a different way, but um, similar when I read it and it, it stuck with me for sure. So do you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your story and why you're here on the podcast today? Sure. So um, yeah, I'm really here on the podcast because of a, a tragedy that happened to our family, right? So it was in March of 2010 that we were on our spring break vacation in Beaver Creek, Colorado and having an incredible time as a family. And it was on that last run of our first day that Taylor and my son Ryan and my husband Todd wanted to make one last run before the slopes closed. And my youngest daughter Peyton was tired. And so I took her to the bottom of the mountain to get some hot chocolate. and. It was just on that last run that Taylor went, started going a little too fast and went into the trees and hit a tree. And she was doing everything right, wearing a helmet, good skier. It was just a freak accident. And it was from that accident that we lost our oldest child. And, you know, there we were, you know, no one around. We were on vacation, right? And she was care flighted to Grand Junction, Colorado, um, Denver was closer, but the weather was really bad for care flight to get to Denver. So they care flighted her to Grand Junction, Colorado, which was a two and a half hour drive for us. And so that was torture on the road. Um, When we got to the hospital, you know, we were approached by doctors immediately who were kind of giving us a heads up that she probably won't recover. And getting hit in the face with that, um, right when you walk in a hospital door was collapsing. And so we were very blessed to have a sorority sister of mine who actually lived in that area. And she had heard just through the grapevine um, what was going on and she showed up at the hospital and she shielded Ryan and Peyton from everything that was going on. I, I could never repay her for that. She showed up when it was hard to show up. And so we were in the hospital room, you know, Todd and I were in the hospital room with Taylor and Todd was standing by her bedside and a nurse came in and approached us 
and said something no parent is ever prepared to hear, and that's your daughter's a beautiful candidate for organ donation, and would you consider it? And I've got to tell you, we had never talked about organ donation, not once in our family. I mean, I think I had checked the box, you know, um, on my driver's license, maybe, um, but it was never a conversation we had until we were faced with it. And out of all the decisions we were making, that was the easiest to say yes to because of the type of child Taylor was. She was just kind of that friend to all and such an other-centered and giving and just faithful child. And we knew that if she would have been asked that question, she would have absolutely said yes. So we just knew in our heart that is what she would have wanted. And Taylor went on to save and improve five lives of the gift of her heart both kidneys, her pancreas, her liver, and her cornea. And um, it's been quite a journey. You know, from that, we came back from Colorado to start our life over. And, you know, there really isn't, quote, what people say, a new normal, because it's never going to be normal again, right? I mean, it's just, it's a completely different world that you are just trying to manage. And you know, we knew we had a choice. We were going to cave up in the grief or we were going to find the good in what happened to our family and organ donation was the good. She saved five lives. So, you know, I remember sitting in the backyard with my husband and it was just weeks after we lost her. And he said, you know, I keep hearing my grandfather's voice in my head and he always taught me it's not what happens to you that matters. It's how you react to it that does. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Of course, it mattered that we lost Taylor. It completely crushed our family. But my husband had this insight that our reaction was going to be really important, not only to our family and our community, but our other two children on how we were going to handle this, right? So we focused on the good. And the good was organ donation and that Taylor saved lives. And from there launched Taylor's Gift Foundation. And my husband sitting in the backyard told me, he said, I really feel like we can do something good with this. And he said, and I feel such a calling that I feel like I would be disobedient to God if I turned away from this. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's how the foundation started. That's amazing. And you, like you, I've read a little bit of what you've written about, about grief following a tragedy like that and then doing organ donation and the combination of grief and gratitude. So did you want to share a little bit more about that piece and how that those kind of intersect and what that was feeling like right after? And that is, that's so true. I mean, that, I think that's what organ donation is. I mean, it is, you have this sudden grief because organ donation, 99%, percent of the time comes out of an accident or a tragedy. It mm -hmm. just does. And so, you know, families like ours are just, they're left with this heaviness of a sudden loss and the shock of it all. And then you have it mixed with the gratitude that your loved one saved lives. So it is, it's, it's a mix where grief and gratefulness really share the same space. Yeah. Um, and that's really, you know, where we were then and still are. Yeah. And was that hard to sort of uh, navigate or reconcile in your mind in those first, in that first little bit afterwards, like this sort of like peacefulness and, and happiness that she had helped others, but then maybe even some, was there any like resentfulness to those, those, maybe those people that got to live because Taylor couldn't like, was there any struggle in your mind with that? No. And I, those are 
that's a really good question. So the, you know, peacefulness and happiness, I don't think we'll ever have peace that we lost Taylor, <laughs> ever. Um, we have been blessed to meet four out of the five recipients. Um, and I can, you know, share that story with you in a second, but, you know, it never dawned on us really that there'd be any resentfulness because we said yes, mm -hmm. so others could live, right? So it wasn't, there was no resentfulness on that decision. And people ask, you know, does it bring you peace to know that she saved lives? And you're know, like, I don't think we'll ever find peace in that, but it sure has given us so much strength that the decision we made was the right one for our family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. And so in those, in those sort of an initial kind of days, weeks, months, kind of following Taylor's passing, I know you shared a little bit about wanting to focus on your reaction. And if I'm remembering correctly, I mean, I read the book a long time ago, but I feel like, was it, was it your husband that had more the, the grateful, the, we need to focus on this attitude. And, and was it you that was a little bit more like, I just want to sleep. I just want to sleep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so how, did, how does that work? And like, what did you need in those, in those initial days? Well, you know, the, the initial days um, are a blur to me. I truly could not function. Mm -hmm. Like I truly physically felt like there was this cement block on my chest and around my body. Yeah. Um, getting out of bed was an effort. Um, and so I stayed in bed a lot and I did not want to be around Taylor's friends. I didn't want to be around any of her best friends and circle because it reminded me immediately what I had lost. Todd, on the other hand, really embraced that. He loved being around her friends. And so we, we were on completely different grief paths for a long while. And he was having a hard time understanding why I just can't get out of bed. And I was having a hard time understanding why are you, why are you seem so like purposeful and grateful for her friends surrounding her, surrounding us. And almost like he was moving forward. And I didn't know how he was doing that. And he didn't know how I was doing that. And I'll never forget, we went over to a friend's house and they weren't really friends at the time. They were introduced to us, but they became very good friends. And they were the only family that we had heard of in our hometown who had lost a child that we had some connections with. So they sat down with us and we were really raw on where we were. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was kind of hurting our marriage. And so did Todd. And, and they said something that was so simple. That was such a light switch moment. And they said, you've got to give each other the grace to just grieve the way they need to. And why we weren't doing that, I have no idea. Because Todd and I have such a great marriage foundation of faith. And, you know, we've been best friends since college. And it's like we were not giving each other any sort of grace. We were almost being resentful of each other. And um, that completely changed things. He was like, you know, if you need to stay in bed all day, you do that. And I was like, if you need to be around her friends and do things like, do that. And it was once we were kind of released each other of that, even made our marriage stronger. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. And so true that normally it's like one is one way and one is the other. And, and honestly, as you go along in something like this, God gives you where one is stronger when the other is weaker. Mm -hmm. So it, it is a constant seesaw, right? Mm -hmm. But we're balanced in the center with our faith. Yeah. But one, but one of us, when one was down, the other one just seemed to be able to have the strength to step in. 
Yeah. And were you, were you able to lean more into your faith? Did you find one was leaning more in and one was pulling away or were you both kind of able to, to like grasp onto it? Cause it usually, I find in people that I've talked to, you know, it's, it's one or the other, and it's usually a big event that'll either lead you to or pull you away and you just have to make the choice. So what was it for you? Yeah. I mean, for me, I asked the swirling question of why. Yeah. And because that was so, I, it still to today doesn't make sense to me. Right. But because of that, my faith was very shaken, very shaken. I had complete anger fits to God. Mm-hmm. Todd embraced his faith and surrounded himself, you know, with godly people and who were looking. I did not want people sending me Bible scriptures over text. I did not want that. I mean, cause I was angry that God would take my child right? And it's very hard. I don't think you ever reconcile with that word of why until there was one day I'll never forget. There's a cross in our room. And I remember looking at that cross saying, I, I'm in a dark place and I can't do this without you. And um, it was almost that I just surrendered was the only word that I could give because I was trying to fix it in my head and make and answer a question that was not able to be answered. And I had to just surrender. And once I surrendered, my conversation with God became different. Yeah. Um, and also we knew that the examples of faith were going to be what our children see. And so that became very important to see us in prayer, to see us cry because yeah. those emotions are real um, and to cry out to God and, for them to see that. So yeah. yeah, it was very important to us, but we did, we, we handled it differently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, and you brought up your, your other kids, Peyton and Ryan. So following Taylor's passing, how do you sort of honor her, honor Taylor, like grief, like grieve her, but honor the milestones and achievements of your other kids. And how does that differ like closer to Taylor's passing to now? What do you think? I don't think it's changed that much in the sense of Taylor's very much part of our family, mm-hmm. very much. You know, it, she is someone we talk about. She is someone that um, is part of conversation. We have pictures of her in our home, um, along with, you know, Ryan and Peyton, because that's their sister. Yeah. You know? And so she's never going to be erased from anything we do. Celebrations from, for her, um, you know, we honor that. We celebrate her birthday. We, and, and, what that means now is um, Peyton, Peyton Taylor loved bagels. She loved bagels, Einstein's bagels. And so on her birthday, we all go to Einstein's bagels and get her favorite bagel. I mean, it's things like that, that we um, celebrate her and take her with us. It's the little things, you know, I wouldn't say it's these massive milestones that we celebrate. It's just the daily little things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And for Ryan and Peyton, you know, they've, they both handled grief so differently. Um, you know, Ryan was with Taylor and my husband on the mountain. So he saw everything. Yeah. So he has grief and trauma, right? And Peyton was with me. So her grief is different in the sense she didn't see it. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, her grief is she had a sister and then the next day she didn't. And that's been difficult. In the very beginning, we really tried to help them the way we were being helped. 
meaning that someone had given us a grief counselor, my brother had, and I was not interested at all in going to counseling. And it was only reason I went is because my brother told me that um, this counselor had lost a child also. And so I knew that shared experience, she'd be able to say things to me that most people wouldn't, right? So we were going to grief counseling and my, we started bringing Ryan and Peyton to counseling. And it was on our third counselor that's, you know, for children who sat down with Todd and I and said, you can't force someone to talk. They're going to talk when they're ready. Y'all just be there for them and love them where they are. And yeah. that really changed. And we just said, you know what? He's right. Counseling's working for us, but it's not working for them right now. And throughout the years, these kids have become the most incredible young adults, just in the way they live their life and the way they share the story and the way they've made, you know, the story, what happened to them, even more compassionate and generous and empathetic adults, young adults. Um, you know, it really could have gone a different way, but they have really come to this side of it. It's not over. You're never over this, but they've come to this point um, being very, very strong young adults. Yeah. Yeah. And has anybody like yourself, your husband or the two kids, your two children, have they, have anybody been affected by triggers over the years? Because those can appear kind of anywhere at the time. What did that look like? Um, do you want to share a little bit about that for any of you, I guess? I mean, triggers are every day, you mm -hmm. know, and it's just how you learn to manage the grief. I mean, some triggers for me had been random things like being in the grocery store and seeing her favorite cereal and that making me lose it where I cannot go forward. And I leave a cart full of groceries in the middle of the aisle. And I have to leave, you know, it is, you know, Taylor loved Valentine's and going to a store and even to this day and seeing all the Valentine stuff, yeah. um, you know, that's a trigger for me. Some days it's, it's easier than others. Yeah. Just yesterday I was just sobbing at my kitchen table because something came up and yeah. then today I can talk about it strong. Right. So, I mean, it is, it's every, every one of us have different triggers Yeah, um, and they affect you at different times in different ways. Yeah. So speaking of like, holidays and things what do you do anything special I mean you mentioned for her birthday is there anything you do at Christmas or or anything for her like what what kind of things or do you do anything on Valentine's Day I mean I know this Valentine's Day it's, there's something yeah. special happening this Valentine's Day but uh, we can yeah, talk yeah. about that in a minute <laughs> um, but what do you do for her on like on like you know worldwide celebrations um, you know Christmas has always been hard because you feel like someone's missing mm -hmm. um, but the way we honor her is just including her in different conversations. And on our tree, we have um, five ornaments, one of Taylor, and then we have a picture of each recipient um, oh. that's on our tree. Um, and we, that is right there for everyone to see. Yeah. You know? So there's an ornament of Taylor, Patricia, Jeff, Jonathan, Ashley. <laughs> and you know, we honor her and celebrate her that way, but we also um, know that she's with us all the time. So it's not like we have to do these massive right. uh, things because, you know, those are, those are hard anyway, and we don't want to make them harder by just being sad. Right. So we honor her by finding the joy. Fair enough. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. 
And so if someone, if, if a friend of yours or someone that you knew, which I'm sure has happened since, uh, had lost a child and in whatever way, maybe it's, maybe it's something tragic where they had to face organ donation, which I'm sure you've come across a lot now, but in any way, how would you, how would you support someone that was grieving? Uh, what would you do for them? And maybe what wouldn't you do? Is there anything that anybody did for you that was just like not helpful with well-intended, but perhaps right. not helpful? Um, you know, there were a lot of people at the very beginning who um, tried to fix me, right? Yeah. The terror that I was before March 15th, my DNA changed the day after. And there were a handful that just wanted me to be who I was, right? Mm -hmm. And so you kind of learn really in that who your close friends are. And you'll find that um, some of your close friends really just can't handle that heaviness. And they want to be there for you. And it's all great. And they want to, but they just don't, they don't know how, right? And then you have others that were kind of in your fringes who end up just kneeling at your feet yeah. and being that rock. Um, you know, I think probably the biggest thing someone said to me, and I'll never forget, it was um, a friend of ours, Daniela, who we didn't really know in 2010. And she had heard about what was going on in our hometown in Taylor and she rang our doorbell and we opened the door and we didn't know Daniela. And she said, I really don't know what to say. I just want you to know I'm here. And she reached in and gave me a hug. And then she turned around and just said, I'm here. And she left. And that was so powerful because she didn't come in with, um, are you okay? And how are you? Because those are very difficult questions. I know they're simple. You know, how are you? That's hard for a grieving parent. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, do you, do you really want to know? Right. <laughs> I'm, not <good>. <laughs> right. I'm not good, but you, you end up with this pat answer of, you know, we're hanging in there. Right. Mm -hmm. But what she did was so powerful because she didn't she checked on me in such a loving way where I didn't have to share the story again. I didn't have to just go there in my head. She just showed up. And yeah. so that's what I advice that I've given from that day forward is just to show up even when it's hard yeah. and, you know, avoid the question. How are you instead step in and just say, I don't know what to say. I just want to let you know I'm here and I love you and I care for you. And that was game changing because she wasn't trying to fix me. And so that's what um, I've given advice before. The hard things, you know, that people say that are totally well-intentioned are things like when at least you have other two children, you know, the at least. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing is, I have three children. Yeah. I have them. I have three children. Um, and that's just hard. To hear well at least it's almost like they're trying to make it better mm -hmm. um, but you know I, I just know intention they're not doing anything to harm me or they're just trying to be kind right yeah. um, and it's also in our situation giving grace to everyone because some people will say things that are hurtful but they don't mean to be um, and then others will step in like Daniela and just show up and talk about Taylor you know tell me stories about her, you know, and as a parent who's going through this, just talking about your child or hearing your child's name is really a balm to your soul. Mm -hmm. It really is. 
Yeah. Um, it can make things better, but it's helpful. Yeah. And too, if they say it in the present tense, right? Like she is this way or, you know, rather than was like, just because she's still with you, like whether physically or not at this point, right? Um, is there any, like, is there any um, resources that you found helpful? I mean, you mentioned you went to grief counseling. Was there books or blogs or song lyrics or Bible verses or, you know, I mean, I think this was kind of like pre the podcast fad, but like um, anything that you would maybe gift to somebody if somebody was struggling, was that, is there anything that you can offer there? Yeah, I mean, that was, you're right. It was the day before, you know, podcasts weren't a thing and yes, yeah. what people gravitated to. And I was given a book by Nancy Guthrie called One Year Book of Hope. And it's very, very short chapters. Maybe sometimes they're just one page because that's really all I could handle. And it it was like she was speaking to a grieving mother because she is a grieving mother. She had walked the path. And so that was very helpful. That's the book that I have given. Um, And trying to think of what else, like um, Taylor's favorite scripture was Luke 18, 27. You know, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And that is one that we leaned on forever. And so whenever I sign something like one of our books or I always put that scripture, Luke 18, 27, in hopes that someone will look it up and realize that, you know, even though things sometimes feel very impossible, God's there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So you know, speaking of books and resources and things, do you want to dive a little bit more into your book, Taylor's Gift, the the foundation, Taylor's Gift Foundation, and then the work you're doing to encourage organ donation and now the addition of uh, the Kindred Hearts program and maybe what's happening on February 14th this year. (laughs) Okay, that's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot. Let's just do it because like, that's why you're here. And and I feel like we're on the topic of resources. I mean, that's what the is right is to offer people encouragement and resources to help them navigate that process. So. Exactly right. Exactly right. I'm just laughing because I have a lot to say and I could take up your whole podcast. You go for it. <laughs> um, no, we were we were very blessed to be able to write a book called Taylor's Gift, and it won for the most inspirational book at the Books for Better Life Awards in New York. And um, Max Lucado wrote our foreword, and it's just been a beautiful gift to be able to share our story. Um, and that book became, you know, a bestseller and um, actually was translated into Swedish. I just, someone posted just yesterday from Sweden, giving it a review, you know. When, um, when was the book released? Cause I know, I mean, Taylor's accident was in, in 2010, but when was the book released? I'm just trying to remember because I read, I, I was reading it on the train to and from work. So I'm trying to place like what, what timeline that was. Around 2014. Okay. All right. So interesting. So, cause my first loss happens in 2015. So like, I, I feel like that's God's timing too, right? Because I loved that book so much. I even, I lent it to my boss at the time when I was done, I like brought it to work and I was like, you should read this. And she read it too. And yeah, it's a wonderful book. Sorry to interrupt, but it's just, I had to offer my praise. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, we feel very blessed to be able to have written that and share our story. And I think the, the biggest thing that we, um, when we were interviewing writers, it was pretty much the, we want our faith to show through and to see God's fingerprints all the way through it. Um, and we also wanted to be real. We were not going to shy away from anything that we were going to candy coat anything that was happening in our story. 
And I think you can attest to that. that yeah, of course. Yeah. Especially the stuff about like the grieving differently with your, in your marriage. Like I, I, that sticks in my mind, even pre anything happening to myself or being able to relate at all really. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we really, that was very important to us to be very raw on that. And I think that vulnerability, um, has touched a lot of people and helped a lot of people in our story to let them know they're not alone when things like this are going on. And I don't think you need to lose a child to have, um, to read our book. I think it brings, um, so much light to so many other things and also helps you, you know, talk to your family about how you want to outlive yourself, right? How do you want to leave a lasting difference in the lives of others? Um, you know, like I said, the foundation started very soon after we lost Taylor and the initial purpose of it was really to bring the attention to the importance of organ donation and encourage people to register. And along the way, we were able to um, create something that was really powerful. For example, that, you know, we knew that organ donation was not an easy topic. <laughs> you know, um, when people think about organ donation, they think about death, but organ donation is all about life. That's what organ donation is about. And so we really wanted to focus on that. And so that's why we coined the phrase outlive yourself, because it's hard to sit around the dinner table and ask your family and friends, you know, do you want to be an organ donor? You know, because people will kind of go, uh, I don't know. But if you say, how would you like to outlive yourself? You know, how do you want to leave a lasting impact? And for our family, organ donation is a beautiful way to outlive yourself. And so it's an easy conversation piece. But we also knew we needed something kind of tangible to make it real. So I'm sure you and your listeners have heard of Movember. Um, they're the, the group, the guys grow beards and mustaches, you know, and, and that's kind of their conversation piece, right? That's how they spark conversation about prostate health and men's cancer. And, you know, that's a difficult topic. So yeah. we were blessed to have a, a couple of incredible organizations join us. We had OPI, uh, Nail Polish created a tailored blue color for the foundation. And that bottle of blue sold all over the world. Um, we were at the very early stages trying to figure out how do you ship polish to Germany and to Spain. <laughs> and, you know, so that was amazing. And then in the last couple of years recently, we were just so blessed to have Nike um, join us and they created Outlive Yourself socks. And on these socks, the blue on the socks, they were so intentional and thoughtful with this, with this design, but the blue reflects the color of Taylor's eyes, which was the most beautiful blue. And then there's five stripes um, on the socks that honors the five lives she saved. So Nike has done a beautiful job joining us on that and being able to share that message. And so all the, the books and the sock sales and things like that, um, they all go to the foundation, 100% goes to the foundation in our efforts. And so our, our new program and our focus um, for Taylor's Gift is to emotionally support families who are organ donor families, whose loved ones gave the gift of life. Because along the way, we realized that there are a lot of resources out there for like recipients and support groups for recipients, those who'd receive the organs. And also you hear all those stories, right? You hear about the person that received the kidney or received the liver and how they're doing so well. And, but those recipients wouldn't have that second chance unless a donor family had said yes. Mm -hmm. So that's where it starts. And these families are left, like I said, with this sudden loss mixed with this gratefulness. It's this, this combination. And so we wanted to be the resource for these families. 
because it is a, a resource that's needed across the nation. There's really very few dedicated emotional support resources um, for organ donor families and the grief they're going through. So we started our Kindred Hearts program, which consists of support groups led by um, trained facilitators. And we also have a caring guide option and families can do either one or both. Um, which is individual support for these families for an entire year at no cost. So, I mean, could you imagine how much it would be to have support like this for your family for an entire year? Yeah. Um, and we are just so honored and privileged to be able to provide these resources to donor families at no cost to them <laughs> and being able to walk alongside them in this journey. And our you know, prerequisite of becoming a facilitator or being one of our caring guides is that you have to have personal experience with grief have to be able to have you have to have walked it you yeah. know to understand it um and so and many of our volunteers and caring guides have personal experience with work and donation so it is it's it's something that's very important to us to be able to help families um who have walked this path mm -hmm. and it's you know taylor's gift is led by a donor family um we understand the pain of it we understand what this is like and walk these shoes and we want to help families who have who are struggling right now with this yeah um i i always check it off on my driver's list and i mean I, i'm in canada so it's a little bit i mean might be a little bit different from a process perspective but um but i remember like learning about um we have a genetic thing that's been passed down that's and that's our story but one of the treatments for a female who can survive it is, is um, a, a liver transplant. And so like, it's just, again, the need for that, like you don't really there. And it's an obscure, like random genetic thing that I wouldn't have even known about had, you know, had my kids not passed away. And so that, uh, but that connects me even further to this. And I'm just, I'm just so grateful that, um, that you advocate for that because I mean, if I were to have a, a girl that can survive it, but needs a liver transplant, she would need an organ donor. Right. So, right. yeah. And that, that would come from a family saying yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is happening on uh, Taylor's favorite holiday? What's happening on Valentine's Day this year? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, it's National Donor Day. And so National Donor Day here is, is just a day dedicated to sharing about the importance of organ and tissue donation and honoring the gifts of life it can give. And it's just really just a conversation about how to register to be an organ donor. You can go to registerme.org and register. Um, and you can learn all about how to be an organ and tissue donor someday and just sharing that message. You know, my message about outliving yourself, you know, that's what National Donor Day is all about is helping yourself outlive yourself someday. Yeah leaving that lasting legacy. Yeah, that's great. That's so awesome. And um, this is going to go out on February 8th. So it gives people a chance to kind of approach that day and, and do something special and share a story. If they are connected or maybe even donate uh, somewhere that is connected. So I think it's yeah. great. So as we sort of like wrap up and close out, and I want to leave some people with some encouragement too. So it's been um, how many years now? 12 years since, since Taylor's passing. What do you feel today when you think about Taylor? Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm so proud of that girl. I mean, she has the stories that people have told us about her that we had no idea about just what an incredibly caring child she was. That child is still making an impact today. Her friends 
have Taylor Blue part of their wedding. They, uh, there's so many of her friends who sew a blue heart in their wedding dresses as they're something blue. She has been carried to this very day. And I'm just so proud of her. I'm so proud of her. Um, and the impact she's made, not only in this world and beyond, because she has, we have heard so many testimonies of just knowing Taylor made their faith stronger, um, even at that young age. I just miss her, really. Yeah. So yeah. 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 That part doesn't go away. <laughs> it doesn't. Now, is there any other words of encouragement or anything you'd like to leave the audience with today before we wrap it up? Yeah. I mean, I would love for people to just visit taylorsgift.org and learn about our program and get involved if that's something they would like to do. We can, you know, have we have support group facilitators all around. You don't have to be local here in Texas. You can be anywhere in the nation or the country to participate and help others. You know, there's ways to get involved in Taylor's Gift and you can go on taylorsgift.org and learn about it. But, you know, mostly I just think it's important for, you know, your listeners to know that there is hope again. There is joy again after a loss like this. And you learn to move forward whether you like it or not, because others become God's hands and feet and carry you along. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that's a perfect way to wrap up. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Tara. This has been so great for me and such a, I don't know, kind of like a full circle moment for me as well. So I'm really, really grateful that you're able to come on and, and chat with me today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm just so glad that it started off with you reading the book on the train. Oh yeah, of course. That's amazing. <laughs> So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to From Heaven and Hope. If you found today's episode comforting, encouraging, and enlightening, I encourage you to leave a review and subscribe so you don't miss any of our new episodes. Please take care and know that you're never alone in this journey.